start to put tension on my string drawback, I was like, okay, I'm gonna smoke. It's him. You can look at the horns when he's dead. I'm, I'm in, you know, in the zone. Let the arrow go is perfect. Uh, when they lose their front shoulders, yeah, you start, yeah, that's how you know. I almost forgot to start talking. We were having a conversation beforehand, and I was almost, I was like, well, what are you going to say now, Nick? But I guess I'll just get right into it. Yeah, if you want to do that. <laughs> White Cat Outdoors Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Another uh, installment. Yes, another installment. I don't even know where we're at now. It's just been so many. Oh, speaking I have an, I have a small announcement. You have to housekeep. Yeah. Is this what I texted you about earlier? Yes. Okay. I thought that's what this was. Um, if So just I want to bring this up real quick. Um in the past, we've refen- referenced sorry, older episodes. Um, we've talked about the original episode, you know, who is the white cat? And I made a big oops. Yeah, um, you did. I noticed today, and none, none of you caught it. So Not to uh, point any fingers. Yeah, not to point any fingers, but... <laughs> this is your fault. Uh, nobody caught this, so I felt pretty good that I got it all under control. But our RSS feed... Um, which is basically just like our permission or rights to post this podcast for your beautiful ears every single week had a limit on it. Um, and it was a hundred episodes. So the first 68 episodes, you guys couldn't even hear anymore. There, there's some good content in that first 68. Great. Um, and I was like, mm, no, can't have that. So I got it all fixed up. By the time you guys are hearing this podcast, you should be able to go way back. Past 69, if you want. Um, Check out Who is the White Cat Yeah, or any episode. Yeah, probably. I mean, if you're like a loyal listener, feel free to go check out Who is the White Cat. Um, the, the story's good. Meaning's good. The uh, audio is just not great. It was recorded in a barn, and it sounds like it was recorded in a barn. Uh, so, um, yeah, check that out. We just basically, what I just did for you was unlocked 68 bonus episodes if you've if you've joined us in the last hundred boom 68 i don't know how that tom's our math guy um (laughs) i'm not really sure how it adds up but basically every week we post an episode it It was deleting one off the back end Mm -hmm. um it'd be the front end we're on the back end i mean it depends on how you look at it yeah are we on the leading edge because we're moving forward or yeah i would say we're on the the beginning Leave it in the comments. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. So now... But yeah, this just goes back to how Nick says that we don't know what the hell we're doing with podcasting. This this is one of the examples. I'll be honest. You know how I fixed it or how I learned how to fix it? How did what? you learn how to fix it? Google. <laughs> uh, it was basically like, why in the F are there only 100 episodes on my podcast? And I've recorded a lot more than that. And then it was like, oh, go check this out. And I was like... That'd be it. I, I thought I was going to have to pay for it. And I could sound cool and tell you guys that we're just paying extra, um, but we're not. It's free. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. Why would that even be an option? Uh, I don't know. I thought I had an answer, and I didn't. Yeah, you came in hard. Like, you yeah. were going to give a, a full-on Neil deGrasse Tyson explanation, and you got nothing. Yeah, I don't know. Well, actually... Anyway. Go back so and I, check out those first 68 episodes. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, this is going to be totally flying from the seat of my pants here. Um, but I know us three are big um, with college wrestling and stuff, and that's this weekend. Um, this is not typically what we talk about, but um, I'm just curious what your guys' thoughts are on for the tournament, any predictions for like big upsets or anything like that, just to, just to spice things up, change things up a little bit here on the podcast. Uh, I'll start since I kind of sprung that on you guys. Yeah. Um, one big thing is we have a local guy. Say Ethan, Ethan Laird, yeah. Maddie Champ. Yeah. Ethan Laird's a local guy. We graduated high school with him, wrestled with him from the time we were four years old. Um, he is going for the national title at 197 pounds. 
Um, he's ranked fourth in the country right now. He's only lost one match this year. He's um, beat the number he, one. Yeah, guy. he's well. well he he's was not. The number one yeah, guy he beat the, the returning national champ. Yes, defending national champ. He beat him um, in a big way. You know, like it, it blew up in the wrestling community. It was yeah. all over social media. Um, so I'm pulling for an upset. Um, That's really not an upset. Yeah, though. four seed winning it. Technically, That's... it's an upset. <laughs> um, it's it's a true underdog story. I mean, from what like. We've never had this caliber of wrestler come out of General McClain. Yeah. Um, I've been saying it for a little while, but Ethan Laird is definitely the best wrestler to come out of our school. No doubt. Um, 100%. And, you know, I've heard a couple of people say, oh, if he wins, it's definitely 100%. I'm like, it's already it's definitely. It's already. Not he's even he's a four-time national qualifier at the Division One level. That's, yeah. That is the nationals is like making it to the Super Bowl. Yeah. It's not even the playoffs. Like, the playoffs are the qualifier to yeah. get into the national tournament. The national tournament is like the Super Bowl match. Yeah. Um, so, or the Daytona 500. Like, it is, it's the big dogs. Yeah. So, he's been there four times. So, that's my biggest hopes for the weekend. Um, but I also am excited to see a potential of two four-time national champs crowned this year. That would be wild. So. There's never been two in one year. No, there has never there's been. there's been, what, five total? Four. Four total? Uh, you have, I'm going to get... There's Kale one guy Sanderson. I always miss. It's Kale Sanderson, Logan Stieber, Kyle Dake, and there's one more Smith guy. Smith is his last name. I can't remember. Pat Smith? I can't remember what his first name is. I always forget the, that. He's the, he the just, first, he's, he's he's the, the most first recent. guy that did No, no the, Kale, um, Kale wasn't the first one. A guy did it before Kale, but he didn't do it consecutively. He won oh, then three, I'm, skipped a year, then won. And then Kale did it undefeated. Dake did it at four different weight classes. Steber did it uh, in no special fashion. Except that he won four times. <laughs> and then, I can't remember the last guy. Um, oh, well. Look, leave it in the comments if you, if you guys know. Yeah. Um, Tom, do you have any prediction? I've just been super excited about this tournament. No, I'm super excited about it, too. Um, it's not really a upset, uh, but I'm, if I was a betting man, I would put are you allowed to bet on college sports? Is that a thing? Don't people I, win I've money for seen, March Madness? Yeah, you can bet on college. Like you can bet on college football, basketball. I would assume you can bet on college wrestling, but I've never seen it like on DraftKings or anything. I don't know. But if I were to bet on a team to win, obviously it's going to be Penn State. Yeah, that, they're bringing. I, but the only thing they only have nine guys in the tournament. Yeah, but they're pretty good. I would they say just even with up. nine, they could do it. Fanco Wrestling was talking today about like potentially for five national champs coming out of Penn State. I could see it. Yeah, they're pretty good. I did see a number today that 44 competitors are from PA at the national tournament, which is like double any other state. It's pretty good. It'll be interesting to see how many of those 44 make it to the finals. Ethan Laird's one of them. Oh, absolutely. Spencer Lee, he's going to probably be one of them. Yeah. So... Carter Stracci will probably be another one. RBY. He's not Pennsylvania. Oh, he's not a PA guy? Yeah. Oh, I thought he was. David Carr. Is he PA? Yeah. I used to work with his, his oh. uncle or grandpa. Nate? Jerry. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. Pretty neat. <laughs> so why don't we get into the hunting? I was going to say, let's, uh, let's get into <laughs> I just, the meat I thought it was pretty cool. No, I'm ex- I'm mostly excited for it because Ethan's in it. Like, yeah, I, I, I like just, watching college I look, wrestling, but I'm really excited for it now because of Ethan. Yeah, I've just been looking for I, mainly because. So if like, you know Ethan, say good luck to him. Yeah, March Madness is starting and Chuck, up. If you're listening to this one, oh, I know James listens. Oh yeah, yeah, I know he does. Jimmy Chuck, <laughs> Jimmy Chuck. So, this is our shout out to Ethan. We hope he does awesome. Um, I'm pretty sure he'll be there. So. Oh, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. So good luck out there. Maybe. Uh, James will be listening to this on the way back, staring at a gold medal around Ethan's neck. So it'd be, it'd be awesome. Predict you heard you hear, heard it here first, folks. You're struggling to speak I am. today. <laughs> I haven't even drank anything. But uh, so let's get into the meat and taters of this podcast. Um, some big things I've been seeing um, floating around the interwebs is the ban of trail cameras. Specifically, Kansas is the next state to ban all trail cameras. Uh, on public land, public land, just Jesus on Christ. public. Uh, yeah, from what I understand, is it a year-round thing or a season? Thing? It looked to be year-round. Um, 
it was like something that just got voted on. So I don't know if like the full bill has been put into effect yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but this started as more of a Western thing um, yeah. that it was more to prevent, um, I guess. So what happened was in the past few years, there's been a serious drought in the West and it's condensed herds um, to smaller areas, watering holes mm-hmm. and stuff. And they didn't want to put any extra stress on the animals by humans coming in all the time, checking these cameras over these watering holes mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And also in something that I do kind of believe in, which I want to get into what our beliefs and everything on it is, I think that we are flirting with um, a fine line of fair chase with the technology and the way it's moving. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's something I, I, I'm, I fall right down the middle on how, like what I feel about like banning trail cameras or mm-hmm. cell cameras specifically. Um, but I guess what I wanted to talk to or talk about tonight was our thoughts on banning trail cameras, you know, kind of get our opinions. I'm going to play devil's advocate to try and get some mm-hmm. conversation um, because like I said, I do fall 50, 50. I wouldn't be upset either way. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to play a little devil's advocate just to kind of get some conversation stirring. Um, but then in the event that they were banned, how much would our um, approach to the fall change? So um, I guess, Tom, I'll start with you just because you're right in front of me here. Um, what are your thoughts on trail camera bans, specifically trail cameras with, like the that send pictures instantly and even new cameras that are coming out at ATA this year that have um, live feeds and 360 mobility. So I, I am not against trail cameras. I think trail cameras in a way have helped the quality of deer that people are shooting. So if you have, you know, you got a couple cameras out on your property and you're seeing, you know, a really big 10, 140 inch 10 point. When you're out on stand, you might think twice about shooting that two and a half year old eight point if you know what else is out there. Mm-hmm. But couldn't you get that intel from scouting and checking fields, you know, at night spotting or, you know, just time in the timber before season? Well, you can't spot during season sometimes. You know, yeah, you but could, during you... the summer, you could locate, a, well, like if you have a trail camera out and you were getting pictures of him in September, couldn't you potentially locate that buck? spotting or scouting if you had the luxury of a field next to your park but what if you're completely wooded yeah what if you were down in the allegheny national forest where it's scouting in the summertime or or shed hunting how often you know since we have cameras how often do bucks show up during rut that you've never seen before even if you don't get them on camera how often do bucks die yeah that you have never seen before. And people are like, and even your neighbors were like, I've never seen that buck before. He just showed up out of the blue. So spotting in the summertime. I have noticed when you do kill, they always know about a bigger one though. That's a fact. That's always. (laughs) But yeah, if you can't spot during season or you don't see that buck during your regular scouting, deer moving in, you don't know what's always there. And not that you have to know what's always there, you know, but So do you think that you're gaining an unfair advantage by pictures well, I wasn't being done with my point okay. yet? And you brought up spotting and scouting. I've done a lot of scouting and most of my scouting or a lot of scouting is done late winter when bucks don't have antlers. Um or early summer when you don't know what their full potential is. And when, I don't know about you guys, but when I'm scouting, I'm not looking for a specific deer. I'm looking for deer sign to tell me deer are using this area. I think if you are scouting one specific deer and constantly getting within eyesight of him before season, you're going to pressure that deer and you have a good chance to bump him out. But if you can hang a camera where you go in one time and you don't have to go back, you know, a couple of rains, your scent's going to be washed off. Yeah, but you don't necessarily need to put eyes on a specific deer to know that there's a big deer in the woods. Being able to see the size of the bed, 
size of tracks, height of a rub, um, like just different things like that will indicate a larger deer. Correct. Um, so, you know, you get a, a buck track that's, you know, as wide as your hand, you know, that's not a two and a half year old eight. Uh, if you get, you know, a rub on a tree that's, you know, as big around as my thigh and it's about nipple height, that's not a two and a half year old eight. If you get, you know, hey, a, don't you think you could have said shoulder height <laughs> or chest height? Well, I mean, I was mid chest nipples. Yeah. Nipple. It's <laughs> uh, probably the first time nipples been said on our podcast. And now it's been said like three or we'll stop times. saying it and move on. Make say what, point, say yeah. what, what way. <laughs> um, and then like, um, beds, like you, you can tell the size of, you know, butt to shoulder of that deer. Um, so like, I don't think necessarily going in there, you don't have to go in there and bump that specific deer out there to know, um, that there's a big deer in there. It's just from what you're seeing. Right. I agree with that, but, and I'm not saying I disagree. Like I said, I'm just playing advocate here, just being an ass and driving points. Yeah. But, um, I think it's nice to know exactly what you're chasing. Mm. You could have a mature buck that is a four and a half year old six point mm-hmm. never grew brow tines uh, and then you could be like if you honestly, so you're so this little small tangent here you're more of big rack than mature deer yeah well uh, kind of in a way i mean if i had the opportunity to shoot uh four and a half year old let me let me give you a question answer it this way i was answering the question <laughs> no this is gonna it was gonna be better well, hold do you can do you you <laughs> so if i had two bucks that were both five and a half one was a six point that scored 120 but just really heavy and mature and then another one was a 10 point that scored 160 shooting the 10 every time all right, this is, this is why my question's better. Um, <laughs> uh, you've got two bucks in front of you. Okay. One is a three-and-a-half-year-old. He's 180 inches. Shooting it. Hold on. No. But I don't need hold, to. No, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> hold on. The next one is a six-and-a-half-year-old solid 160. 180. 180. So you're, I you're even shot a 130. Yet. Okay, that's what I'm getting at. I'm not saying I disagree with you. So you you go you were more interested in the size of the rack than maturity, and I think that might change once I start stacking up three and a half year old 180s. <laughs> okay, so what you're <laughs> and getting it's at different somewhere else in the country. You can't say that here because if not you let, here. he could be in Illinois. And I'm that saying happens. here. This is where we live. If you are. In Pennsylvania, Northwest Pennsylvania, looking at a 180-inch, three-and-a-half-year-old and 160, you're not going to be like, oh, I'll let him move until right. next year because he could be a 200. Let's put it this way. You've got, in Pennsylvania, you have done extraordinarily well. You've got 10 bucks over 130. You I have, shoot the 180. You've got one that flirts with 150. Okay. 180, Tom. Why are you even now? No, I, two different bucks now. Those ones are dead. You already passed on those. Uh, so you've got 10 over 130, one flirting with 150. You know, you so now you're experienced. You said, you know, it would maybe change as you got older. You're still hunting PA and you get a buck in front of you and he's three and a half, 140. I did it backwards. You're, you're doing 150. Bad. He's another 150. But then right behind him, also in bow range, you have a buck that's six and a half. So more mature, but he's only a 140. So more mature, smaller rack. But it's only within 10 inches. I would probably shoot the older one. If really? I, if I had 10 130s already and a 150. Yeah, but this one's going to beat your best one i feel like we're getting away from the trail camera talk yeah, you're being this, a horrible I, this is a I, I started off as a small tangent it's definitely <laughs> gone well a, a tangent does go an in infinite yeah, direction it does. Yeah, it does so you're, you're more on the side of big racks yeah we established that. okay all right 
Back to trail cameras. <laughs> Where are you going? Now? Yeah, Where I was going with that is I think it's bullshit when most people talk about it. it's just about maturity. Yeah. I think the size of the rack plays a lot into it. Mm-hmm. I think that it a lot of times there is a very direct correlation between the two. Yes. Um, but not always. And I, I think maturity is probably it's like 50-50, like rack size versus maturity. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get out of a deer, but... Yeah. So anyway, back to trail cameras. You're for them because you help, You believe that they are going to promote holding out on bucks and higher quality of deer. I think so because I know, well, an example is that big buck we had up at Grandpa's. How many bucks, smaller bucks that you normally would have shot did you pass up because you knew what you may have an opportunity to shoot several yeah as did i and as did everybody else now do you feel that having a cell camera with a live feed so once it got tripped live video footage of that camera could go right to your phone and you could control the angle of the camera do you think that that would allow for an unfair advantage and fall away from fair chase i don't see how that would give you much more of an advantage over a trail cam like a, a regular cell cam just because i mean most of the time if you're using a cell camera you're setting it up you know on a scrape that you want to hunt or a trail that you want to hunt and really the only thing that that live feed shows you is where the buck is coming from and where it's heading but how often do you get one picture or three pictures in a burst of a buck feeding that you never get a good look at what size the size of the buck what do you mean how often do you get that perfect photo of a buck or is it you know they're feeding on the side of it and you catch like one time when they look behind them you get one side but you never get a great look at the rack if you had a live feed that you could pan your camera over and then because, like, if you got just a... What advantage a, does that give you with hunting the deer, though? If you were, you know, I'm going to hunt till 10 o'clock this morning. And then at 9.55, boom, you get a picture because you've got a cell cam on almost every deer trail. Oh, he's on his feet moving. I'm going to stay out here. Versus not knowing that that buck just got on his feet and you're going to go back home. Right, but you asked about the panning video. Well, I, I no, I started no, I started with trail cameras live, like live or um, cell cameras, and then also these new ones that are coming out after ATA this year. Yeah, no, I mean, I I don't think it gives you an unfair advantage. I think it gives you an advantage. Okay, but no, if if it really was that unfair of an advantage, I would have. A lot more and a lot bigger buck, and I, I I think the average guy that is using trail cameras is not using them in a way that makes a huge advantage. You you got some guys out there that have you know a couple hundred acres and a hundred trail cameras where if a deer moves they know it, and that's I I'm not into that. Like we have. Our big farm is, what, 115 acres? Mm-hmm. And we run, what, eight cameras, nine yeah, cameras? Something, something like that. I think 10, actually, after Whitey put his two up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, that's one camera for every 10 acres. And most of them are on food sources. Um, but there's plenty of areas a deer could walk through where he wouldn't be anywhere near setting off a camera. Gotcha. But, I mean, don't you think you can kind of narrow down the general, like, trails that a buck's typically using? I mean, how often do you get the same buck that comes into the same food plot? Or, you know, a trail, you know, you hunted, you know, a field edge and you watched this buck do the same thing twice. He hit the same scrape twice in a row. Like, I think you can narrow it down. Oh, you can absolutely narrow it down, but I don't think it is unfair. Okay. Wait, what do you uh where's where do you sit with 
fairness of cell cameras and everything. I don't have a problem with cameras. I use cameras quite a bit. Um, and I'm sort of like you. I'm sort of 50-50 with it. I, and I'm also on Tom's side. I have... I don't think it's that big of an advantage, like Tom said. If it was so unfair, we'd kill a lot more. You know, every buck you had on camera, you could get on and kill. But you, they're wild animals. You don't know what the hell they're going to do on any given day, even if you do have a camera out there. But I do think it gets to a point where technology kind of... It's taking away from what it's supposed to be. Yes, and... It's just like the comparison of like a crossbow and a compound. They're both bows. They're both legal. You're not getting much of an advantage to it, but you're getting away from the tradition of it. And he, I mean, and that's the thing because your compound, yes, it's a bow. You're getting, but away you're getting from away from tradition. A recurve. Yeah, you're and it's a recurve is getting evolving. away from a longbow. Yeah, yeah, you talk to the old timers, people now that are saying, oh crossbow that's not archery hunting well there was people saying the same exact thing when people switched from recurves to compounds Mm -hmm. but now what it like these double barrel crossbows that are out maybe the people that are shooting crossbows start saying (laughs) that's not actually archery hunting but that's what i'm saying though with but so i guess we're getting at the trail cam argument is it there gets to be a point where you have just kind of gotten away from what it's all about. And Where's the line, though? You know, like I yeah, and that's it's a tough thing to say where the line is. In my opinion, I think a live feed is excessive. I don't think you need that. I think that is too much for I, me. I yeah. I also agree that that's across the line. Yeah, but I, like I Tom think... said, the way most people use that stuff, they're not like sitting over here and then they get this live feed, then they're gonna go move over here and cut off or whatever or they get pictures from their cell cam and they're not they put one camera out or two cameras out or even you know like you said if you have one camera for every 20 acres you're not gaining much of an advantage mm-hmm. but most of the trail cam users are people like us that put the cameras out it. there to kind of get an inventory of yeah. what they have you know so they can know okay this is Kind of, you know, the caliber of buck, caliber of buck, we're shooting for. This is how many does we need to take off the farm. There's not, at least people that we hunt with, associate with, that have hundreds of cameras mm-hmm. that lock down on one specific deer and know every mm-hmm. one of his moves. And even people that we do know, some people that we know that do excessively use cameras, not excessive, but really really in abundance yeah in abundance used cameras i would say that the majority of their kills aren't because of the camera i know i have never personally killed a buck that i can say it's because i had this picture this picture i do know one specific person we've talked to that yes definitely gives a lot of credit to trail cameras yes but we also not everybody but i personally i know you guys i don't think you guys have ever attributed a single one of your kills to i had this intel from this camera and i've no i do that's every kill that i've had i have had some hunts where i'm like okay i killed this buck because i saw this happen and then i moved in on this and then i killed that buck but it was never a camera it was me in the woods Mm -hmm. seeing something that led me to abc whatever you know it's so i don't attribute my killing to cameras and i think the majority of people can't attribute killing to cameras Mm -hmm. so i think that outlawing cameras completely is excessive and i don't think it's necessary but i think there's certain technology just the progression of technology is getting and will continue to get more and more excessive and I guess if you don't draw a line now, where do you do it? Yeah, and you, I suppose it's tough to really draw a line and say you can use this type of camera but not that type of camera. If, you can, but if I were to draw a line, I would draw the line at the regular cell camera that mm-hmm. takes a photo, sends it to your phone, or takes a instantly. Or do you think because you're not using it to benefit like in live time, what if the only legal way to use cell cameras is that you got a bundle of photos? 
at nine o'clock at night or every go night out and check them <laughs> yeah or it. go out and check like so instead of getting you know the notification on your phone the second it happens once a day you get all the photos for the day it still has your time stamps but you're not getting it in real time to where you could be in the woods hunting and seeing what may be approaching or say you've got um you know a dozen cameras out and you have patterned everything to where you know that when a buck is on this camera 80% of the time he ends up in this food plot you know within 45 minutes does that give you the advantage to make a move over to that food plot because you weren't there earlier like oh you know every time i get this buck on camera in 45 minutes he's over at that food plot i better get down and get over there well again you I, I you have really and on that because that's not would you say that that's unfair to do that i i don't think getting real time photos is unfair see i i disagree with that part personally mm-hmm. like I, I do believe that like being able to do something like that is unfair yeah like i would be totally fine in maybe even for a ban on getting photos in real time like i but you can't really police that you'd have to it would have to be a software thing with the cameras yeah. to where that they don't have the ability to send them right away but i i well, think if, the, what if you the time you get your camp your pictures is five o'clock it would have to be like you the get software. that bundle of pictures is five o'clock and at four thirty, there's a buck right there and you can make a move on it well, it would have to be like a software thing where it like you're it's just after. splitting hairs. You can't make it that refined. You it, you could. I think like no, the, you can't. If you made <laughs> it so like it was like the pictures only sent at eight o'clock at night. You're never legally hunting at eight o'clock at night. California, they are. Alaska. So it would be like a sunset. Like I guess that if, would be a you, difficult thing to do. If you program it to send at five o'clock and or eight o'clock, I mean, you know if. That's the program, and you're here unless it changed with the time yeah, zone. Yeah, which I guess it could. You're you're getting way too excited. Yeah, I, I think gonna... I think the line should or not should be, but if if someone said Tom, you got to draw the line. Where are you putting it? It would be in between the regular Tacticam that takes a photo, sends it to your phone, or takes a 10 second video, send it to your phone, mm-hmm. and in between that and the one that you get a notification when the video starts and you can watch it and angle it. I think that's, yeah. Yeah. If I had to draw a line with what is available now. Yeah. Same thing. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think that's where the line would be for me. And even if all of that other technology continues progressing and you can use it all and it's all legal, I wouldn't personally use it. Mm -hmm. And we've talked about it a lot on here, like what are your personal goals and what do you want out of hunting? And what I want out of it is not that. Yeah. I want to spend time in the woods and yeah, I use cameras and I don't personally own any cell cameras. My dad's got two and I don't have any. And I didn't see any advantage, me and Tom, with our cell cameras. Mm -hmm. This was our first year. That you don't have to go... Yeah, that was the biggest thing for me is I didn't have to go up to that camera once. Mm -hmm. So for that aspect, I really like cell cameras. And it wouldn't wouldn't hurt me to only get pictures even once a week. Mm -hmm. I'd be fine if they sent me every two weeks, to be honest. Like, because the biggest benefit that Tom and I were using them for was just so we didn't have to go and put boots on the ground in that area. But I think you learn a lot more boots on the ground in the area. I think you learn a lot more scouting, though, because when I was going to check cards, it's that's what that was. It was a card run. A lot of times I was on a side-by-side, drove yeah. right up to the camera. I guess that's different for me. I don't check cam Like up in New York when we all go out, but like my cameras that I run on my properties that I hunt, I don't just run out and grab cameras. I take my time slow. I'm basically like still hunting my way through. Okay. And, scouting from camera to camera and observing different things and i don't take the same straight path to a camera every time i'll go this way one time this way another time and checking cameras for me is you know i do it every couple sundays and i spend sunday 
out in the woods just checking cameras it takes me several hours it's not a quick Mm -hmm. run so i can get back home and check cameras it's more of a scouting run for me and the cameras are a bonus to it gotcha so the next thing i wanted to um next question on like the cameras and everything and this has already been done so um you guys are both aware that a world record buck is a life-changing thing um not just in the fact that you killed the biggest buck, but financially mm-hmm. you were set for life or at least for the duration of that buck being a world-class buck. Yeah. Um, having the world record allows you to pretty much quit your day job and you can fund yourself from that. Yeah. Now, Boone and Crockett, if you use a camera that sends you same day photos, like a cell camera, we'll just call them cell cameras to get, you know, to keep it basic. Mm-hmm. It disqualifies you. I'm fine with that. I don't think that's that ridiculous. So you're you're fine with it what being? What are you asking? If I'm okay. With yeah. That? Are you okay with that? And if you got a picture in the summertime of a of a potential world record, would you drop using your cell cameras? No. So it, I guess it's more important for you to. And like I said, we haven't said it makes a huge advantage, but it's more important to you to get that buck than to be crowned with the world record is, I guess, where you're at. I thought you were asking about Boone and Crockett. Yeah. So it it's wouldn't a Boone be and Crockett yeah, record. Yeah. It wouldn't be re- recognized as a world record. Unless Boone, Boone and Crockett. Crockett. Which that's, that's you're not Guinness gonna get, book. You're not yeah. going to get a world record SCI buck unless you're in a fence because they're 500 inches. Yeah. We're talking a world record buck, Boone and Crockett is life-changing financially. Um, is it, like, one, are, are you okay with the idea that you can't use cell cameras to kill that buck for it to be legitimate in their eyes? And would you drop using a cell camera? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with them doing that, making it so you can't use it to get recognized by Boone and Crockett. Um, main reason being because most new bows that come out today do not qualify for Boone and Crockett. Or, I'm sorry, Pope and Young. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got to be, what, 70%? I believe yeah, 70%. 70% let off. And most bows are 80%. Yeah. So, so that would disqualify me right there. So if you got pictures of a buck that you believed could be a Boone and Crockett world record, would you hunt the way you're hunting now? Or would you get a 70% let off bow and drop all your cell cameras? Hunt the way I'm hunting now. Hunt the way you're hunting now, not worry about the... Or wait till gun season. Shoot him with a rifle. <laughs> then all... So but would you would you be willing to drop Well, your... how does that work? If it's... Does it have to be... World record's world record. You can get a bow kill buck scored by Boone and Crockett. Boone and Crockett will score bow and gun. Pope but... and Young only scores bow. But for Boone and Crockett, can you shoot a buck with a bow with 80% yes. or more let off? Yeah, so I guess that yeah. really doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah, so for Pope and Young, it's okay. different than Boone and Crockett. So Boone and Crockett, yeah, you could use your current bow. But what I'm getting at is would you be willing to drop your cell cameras for the year to kill that buck and be recognized as the world record buck and financially support yourself off of that deer? Just or would cell you- cameras? Just the cell cameras. Yeah, to, I, I would Because you can use regular cameras. Yeah, you can use regular yeah. cameras and you could use your 80% let off bow or a rifle. Yeah, I would do that. Yeah. If, if I had a 300 and some inch buck walking up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's, that's and, and I think I would probably too, um, because I haven't seen a trail camera give me that advantage yet. I would mm-hmm. probably use my cameras up until about a day before the season, pull them, and hunt my ass off. Mm-hmm. And just because like I don't like I said, it's never if if for the past five years I can say that I confidently killed this buck because I use cameras, it would be a different story. Mm-hmm. But as it sits, I, I I would be fine with dropping my use of trail cameras to pursue that buck and potentially set myself up for life. Yeah. Versus using my cell cameras, kill the buck, it's awesome. But I will never find like you would financially benefit a little bit, but not as much as you would yeah. with the record because you couldn't refer to it as, as the, the world. Boone and Crockett world. Record. Yeah. Hmm. 
kind of a neat thing to think about though. Yeah. Um, and then I think this last one will go pretty quick be just based on what we've already um, discussed. But let's say tomorrow, all the states we hunt, they say absolutely no trail cameras whatsoever. You can't use regular cell cameras. You can't use the live feeds or traditional trail cameras. What's changing about the way you go about your hunting season? Absolutely nothing. Yeah, I wouldn't. I have my spots that I like to hunt, you know, throughout the year. Like early season, I have my food plots that I like to hunt. Once it gets closer to the rut, I have my transitions areas that I like to hunt. I know my properties well enough that year after year, deer typically do pretty much the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, This is a generalization. What would your standards be? Because you don't, you said one big thing you like trail cameras for is knowing what's in the area, um, and that you can't always do that because if you don't have fields, you know you can't spot and everything. How are your standards for what you shoot on opening day going to change without cell cameras or trail cameras? I'm still probably going to put myself in that 120 mark club. I haven't haven't got tired of shooting them yet. So, Frank, what about you? Uh, nothing would change about how I hunt because pretty much all of my intel comes from being out in the woods, whether it's during season, before season, after season. That's where I do most of my learning. And the cameras are just an inventory thing. I know if there's a buck in the area that I would rather kill as opposed to another one. But even when I, I've never, I take that back. That's not true. Ignore that. Um, but I still like have my standards. I know what I've killed in the past. I know what I want to kill now. And I would just hold to that standard. You know, if it's a 130 inch buck and archery or 120 inch buck and rifle or, you know, and if the right deer comes up, that's not the score that I want. If it's just a cool hunt, then that's what I'm going to shoot. If I'm excited, I'm going to shoot it. And yeah, it would be. I, I can't even say I'd be disappointed if I shot something and then all you know two days later someone's like, Oh hey, I saw this giant buck. It's like, well, I was happy with this when yeah. I shot it. I'm not gonna be disappointed in it now because mm-hmm. I know there's some there's always a bigger buck. Oh, for sure. There's always a bigger buck out there. You're not always gonna have an opportunity at it and I'm not gonna be bummed out about mm-hmm. a missed opportunity because I didn't know it was there. I hunted the way I want to hunt. I had a good time hunting, killing the animal that I did. I'm not going to be disappointed about that. And I'm not going to change anything about how I like to hunt. Gotcha. I think 95% I agree with you guys. Um, but, and I'm going to use one specific deer as my example of why I think it would change a little bit. Um, and that's the buck that we've talked about a few times on here that we had on camera that was confirmed to be pushing 170 as a mainframe eight. Mm-hmm. Um, we had multiple trail camera pictures and my aunt saw it once on the hoof behind the house. Mm-hmm. So for me personally, my aunt doesn't hunt. I know that she knows what a big deer looks like because my uncle has killed. He's one of the more consistent Pope and young class killers mm-hmm. that I know. Um, he's a silent guy yeah. like that. He's very private about it. But anyway, um, So she was the only person that saw this deer on the hoof because I had confirmed pictures of it and on the property I hunt, I was willing to not shoot any other buck until I got an opportunity at that. Mm -hmm. Had I not had trail cameras and the only thing I heard was my aunt saying she saw a big buck behind the house. I don't think that that's enough for me to hold out on any other buck on the farm. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the only thing I can think of of where... I think it would change the way my hunts go. Like with that once in a lifetime buck, mm-hmm. you know, to me, that buck might as well have been the world record. I would, I, yeah. that buck was an absolute giant and I was, I was going to pass anything until that walked in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I would have had that mentality without hard evidence in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if Tom, if you agree with that or if you would use one, person's sighting the same as a picture no i definitely wouldn't unless it was my own visual sighting 
Yeah. Like if I saw it spotting, then I might change. Um, yeah. But like if you heard one person say, hey, Tom, I saw a giant, you know, on the property you hunt. Is that enough for you to just cancel out on everything else? No. Because you don't know what that giant is. It depends like. on who it is. That too. If you, know, you if, guys said or my dad said like there's a there's a one seventy, I'd be like, okay, then I'm that's the buck I'm hunting. But I, I still feel like without seeing it with your own eyes, it's very tough to really commit to a deer like that. If it's someone that I trust, like you if you saw it, I would say okay, yeah, I trust, it's, it's as good I as trust a picture. you enough. You know that I know what a big deer is. Yeah. You know, I don't have any hanging on the wall, but I've seen enough. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I trust you enough that if you say there's a giant out there, I know that's a buck that I really, really want to kill. Yeah. That's that's a good point. I think it depends on who it's coming from. Um, and nothing against my aunt. I just, it's... She doesn't hunt. She doesn't hunt. She's seen big and, deer, but she doesn't hunt. Yeah. So I, I think it wouldn't be enough for me to totally, yeah. if... I, I Actually, this is a perfect example. Tom and I were hunting um piece of property... And he saw a, a giant is what Tom referred to it as. Tom and I didn't focus on any other area or other buck the rest of the week that we were there. Mm-hmm. Um, Tom had full range to do what he wanted. I was I stayed to the outskirts of it because, you know, he found it. You know, we're going to yeah. go after it. But Tom's like sight of it was enough for me to be like, okay, yeah. yes, there is a giant over there let's go after this. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I, I, I totally agree with you that it would depends on who that information comes from. Yes. Um, is it enough for you? Like if you had a trusted person tell you, is it enough or is it as va- valuable to you as a hard photo in front of you of it on the property? Yeah. If it's the right person, any of them sitting at the table or no, <laughs> absolutely not. He's going to keep his mouth shut on that one. Yeah. No, both of you guys. But uh, um, that that pretty much sums it up. Um, I think it's um, interesting to see the where this is going to be going. I think mm-hmm. Kansas being a big whitetail state. Yeah. I not I won't I don't want to say I'm afraid, but I'm anticipating a bit of a domino effect. Like, well, it's not even just a whitetail thing. Like Arizona is well, yes, a big elk state, and they ban cameras. Yes, but I'm I'm saying for us, that's going to affect okay. us directly. Kansas being a big whitetail state, yeah, it makes me wonder. I guess is probably the best way if this is going to be a domino effect. So a big whitetail state banning trail cameras. Are we going to start seeing this in Iowa and Illinois, and then you know Ohio, Kentucky? I think what PA. it's really going to hurt is the outfitters. Because yeah, the outfitters. They're how use... often is it just a giant binder of trail camera pictures? Oh yeah, the outfitters use trail cams well above and beyond what the average. Hunter yeah, that's them. a good point. Because they're think of selling that. a business with it. They're yeah. not just trying to kill a buck to hang on the wall. They're making a living off of yeah, it. Yeah, they know every buck that's on their farm. and Over 50% good. of their album, you know, at the trade shows is usually trail camera pictures. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a few giants, you know, that they show killed, but a lot of it is just showing you what's on the farm. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's a good point. And I it's going to be tough, too. How do you sell a hunt if you can't? Show them, show them other what than you have. dead deer. Yeah, because it, it, you know, if a 180 got killed there last year, it's like, okay, well, that was there last year. How do I know mm-hmm. what else is there this year? Yeah, it's like without come, a come pay five grand to hunt my farm for a week. We got some big bucks. <laughs> Trust <laughs> me, bro. <laughs> love to show you, but <laughs> uh, maybe. Maybe that has something to do with why whitetail outfits have gotten so expensive. Like flip it. Think about like when my dad and your dad and yeah, our they grandpas couldn't prove it to they you. couldn't prove with trail cameras. And you could go on a whitetail hunt in Illinois for what we do for our turkey hunts. Now I know inflation changes things. Yeah. But now that you can guarantee what is on, on the property, property, prices have gone through the roof. It's commercialized. Mm-hmm. Um it, I wonder if things would die back down if I you took – you, you don't think they would nope. die back down with I don't think so at all. cameras? Nope. I don't know. be interesting. I think it would if – this is totally unrelated to the trail camera thing. But if you got rid of social media in a way to make money, other – like outfitters obviously would have to be able to make money. But 
TV shows, social media. Oh, I thought you were saying just trail camera pictures from outfitters. Yes, trail cam. I'm. This is another okay, tangent. Going, okay. Um, I felt like we were pretty much yeah. had all agreed on that. Um, I, in reference to prices being driven back down. Yeah. If you got rid of social media. Yeah. And, like hunting influencers yes. and career podcasts that you know they don't their only income is because of their hunting podcast. Mm-hmm. If you took all of the means to make money with hunting away, I feel like the prices of outfits and stuff would go down because mm-hmm. if you think about it, some of the biggest TV shows are all done at outfits. Mm-hmm. You know, they need those outfitters, you know, to produce their shows and stuff. Yeah. And I feel like every, a lot of, I guess I can't say everybody or even a lot, but it seems like because of social media, there's a ton of people that, I believe are hunting for the wrong reasons. Yeah. They're trying to make money at it. And I can tell you right now, if one, I've never made a dime from hunting, <laughs> I'd lose money every single year. Yeah. Um, and if that never changes, I'm never going to change the way I hunt. Like, yeah. I mean, it's just the way we are. We've grew up. It's like hunting is a part of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I feel like there's people that use it as a, potential stream of income yeah i mean you could say that about us with the podcast but yeah but we don't get any income from it (laughs) yeah but we could (laughs) we just do it because we talk like this anyways and figure yeah might be a few cool cats out there that like it yeah um but yeah i I think i think it was good combo all around oh yeah um yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens with trail cameras but Mm -hmm. um Bottom line is we're still going to hunt regardless whether we can use them or not. Because um, whether a trail camera is legal or not, you know I'm still going to get outside. You guys silly.